0: Hello. Can you hear me? I can hear you. Oh my goodness. It it's it's a miracle. <laughs> <laughs> Welcome to Catching Up with Aaron, a podcast where I talk to people I know and well, catch up with them. Well, I'm very excited to have as my first grown-up guest, because my first guest was my nine-year- old daughter. Um, so she was officially my first guest, but my first grown-up guest, uh, and I figure it was only appropriate that um, I invite the person who invited me onto their podcast because uh, it's only it's the right thing to do. I was uh, honored to be a guest on the Curiosity Hour podcast. Hosted by Dan Starenchuk and today's guest of mine, uh, Mr. Tommy Granger Eslen. Tommy, how are you, my friend?
1: I'm well. How about you, Aaron? I'm doing thank great. You. Thank you. By the way, for having me on, it is a pleasure and an honor to speak with you in real life, but on this podcast in particular. So, thank well, you. it's
0: it, well, you're you're most welcome, and I appreciate you coming on. And you know, it's we have one of those uh, unique kind of uh, 21st century relationships where we've met on Facebook like a lot of people do. Uh, but we've actually met in person. I think what, three times now we've, we've hung out together three times, right?
1: Is, Is that it what you've three got? Times or twice?
0: I think it's three because you came to Atlanta once.
1: Yep. Yep.
0: I guess it was just, well, uh, you know what I'm thinking? Because it was twice on that trip. We hung out two yes. different days on your one trip.
1: Yep. yep. So we've right. seen each other in person three times. Yeah. Correct.
0: Uh, one weekend and then a separate weekend uh one night later and that was just last year when my family and I traveled to your uh your area of the country in the Kansas City area and uh we got to hang out with your family which was amazing
1: absolutely yeah it was I wonderful love that.
0: now we got to um i if i if i'm not mistaken uh we have a mutual friend named Mallory who introduced us right is that yes, what you've that got is... yeah you've yeah, got this too okay cool Um, so that's how we kind of connected for anybody listening. And then, um, we have a connection through my, I have a song challenge group. I'm not even going to get into that, but we've really kind (laughs) of connected there. Um, and you know, we've just become buds since then. And I, and, and that's a rare thing these days when you can meet a new friend this late in life (laughs) and, and uh, like, I, I say this late in life, like I'm like, I'm ancient, but I'm really not, you know? (laughs) my my my, we were just saying the other night that uh it's like i was just thinking i'm not young but i'm not old so i'm somewhere in the middle you know
1: i feel that deep within my soul
0: so that speaks to you doesn't it
1: yes well that's good
0: that's good well either way i'm just tickled to death that you're here uh and i'm excited to ask you a boatload of questions because we're going to get down to it
1: excellent i'm excited are you ready I'm ready. Well, I, I don't know the questions, so I don't know that ready. <laughs>
0: in fairness, in fairness, I'm... you you and Dan prepped me for, and as I'm sure you do all of your guests with the kinds of questions you're going to be asking. I have not prepped you whatsoever.
1: That is correct. That is okay. that is accurate. Yeah.
0: Well, my podcast is still pretty brand new, and um, my inspiration was my desire to talk to my friends. It's kind of, and, and I've said it before. It was kind of a New Year's resolution of mine. Um, what is the curiosity hour podcast? How did you and Dan come up with the idea for it? What was your motivation? Where did it come from?
1: So um, you know this, but your, your listeners may not. I um, do a thing on, on Facebook where it's not original to me. I'm certainly not the only person who does it, but I ask a whole lot of questions and um, it, It is kind of a, it's almost a spiritual act for me because I believe very deeply in connection and in striving to find the connection that we have with other people. And so, you know, there's this weird thing, this like ginormous elephant in the room that is Facebook and it can be used for good and it can be used for ill purposes and about 10 years ago I began to like, just, it clicked for me again, not original with me. I'm not the only one who does it, but it clicked for me that you can ask questions and people like from a wide variety of backgrounds can give you answers and it can range from like, what's your favorite thing to buy at Aldi's to what is your current spiritual practice and how did that become important to you? And I reconnected with a high school classmate of mine, uh, Dan Starenchuk, as you said, and he and I both are just really naturally curious people. We like to find out what motivates people, what drives people. Uh, We like to find out people's stories. And Dan reached out to me one day and he was like, hey, I think that we could do what we both do on Facebook in podcast form. And it took, I believe our first conversation was in like July or August of 2016 mm-hmm. and then we released our first episode on January 1st of 2017
0: That's so, yeah. amazing. What a what a journey and like it's so funny how two people who now did you and Dan like you knew each other in high school have you stayed in touch since high school prior to the to the the birth of your podcast?
1: Only via Facebook and we okay. were not we were not particularly close on Facebook. I mean, it wasn't like I I wasn't like uh, sending messages to him. We weren't like, I mean, we just were like Mm -hmm. kind of recognizing, Hey, that's a cool thing you asked there. And I appreciate that you answered this question. So um, yeah. So like
0: basically he just lived in your phone. Like most of our friends do these days.
1: (laughs) Exactly. I have a friend uh, who I met via podcasting. who calls, um, online friends, pocket friends, because yes. we are all available in each other's pockets, you know? Right.
0: At a, at a moment's notice, even. Mm-hmm. Uh, well, what I was saying is, like, it's so funny how, and you talk about social media being kind of f- used for good and used for evil or, or, or and everything in between. This is one of those moments where it's like, who would have expected that kind of connection to happen? Uh, yes. When... Yep. You know, when Mark Zuckerberg was sitting in his Harvard dorm room uh, <laughs> trying to figure out if the gal down the hall was single, like who, who would have thought that he would like this. That's the kind of result, among many other results, that it would yield. You know, it's yes. just amazing. I love that. Yeah, um, absolutely. And I, I have I have several friends, too, that are like uh, I'm tighter with now than I was when I knew them in high school. And then there's people who I was tight with in high school that I'm f- friends with Facebook on Facebook now. Uh, that we're not quite as tight anymore. So I think it's a, it's, a, it's, a, it's a revolving door or a swinging door, like one of those old school yes. bar saloon yep. doors, you know, one of those yep. deals. Well, uh, I thought about you too because, like, you and I connected, uh, it was like fall of 2015. So we're getting on five years of being, you know, buddies, right?
1: That's wild, yeah. I
0: know, right? So when I, re- when I was preparing for this, which, and by preparing, I mean uh, about four hours ago, Uh, prior to recording this i realized there's a lot i really don't know about you uh i mean we're obviously good friends but there's just like a lot of your um background that i just i'm not familiar with so i'm going to get in just a little bit of that if you don't mind i'm not going to get too crazy deep or not too heavy i just want to get a little a little structure if that's okay sure yeah of course um so i mentioned before you're in the kansas city area um yes Are you native to that area? Were you born in that area? Were you born born somewhere else and then moved to that area?
1: Yeah, so I was born in a very small town in Iowa. And then when I was two, we moved to the second biggest city in Iowa, Cedar Rapids, where I lived until I was 18. Um, Went to college in northeast Missouri in a little town called Kirksville. And then um, became a teacher and stayed in Kirksville because I didn't like have any like concrete desire to live anywhere else. I enjoyed living in Kirksville. I loved the small atmosphere. So I, I stayed in Kirksville to teach and I met my wife there. Um, she wasn't my wife at the time. Sure.
0: The sure. Uh, That's good.
1: Yeah. Uh, we we met and when we got married and, and she became pregnant, we moved to the Kansas city area to be closer to her family um, because this is where she's from. Yeah.
0: Okay, cool. Um, and we'll, we'll talk more about your wife in a little bit. I've got some questions, uh, for you about that. (laughs) Nothing again, uh, nothing weird, (laughs) 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 all very generic stuff here. Um, well, tell me, tell me about your folks. I know you've mentioned your dad a couple of times to me in the past. Um, I don't think I've ever heard anything about your mom. Um, tell me about your parents. What, what, what's, what do they do or what did they do? Um, what's what's uh, going on there?
1: My mom and stepdad were both teachers. They're retired now. Um, my stepdad it, fills his days with doing philanthropy work. He works with uh, the Lions Club. They do a lot of work in uh, providing vision screening for children, um, getting them discount and cheap, you know, affordable glasses so that they can be able to see mm-hmm. in school. Um, he works with uh, St. Vincent de Paul, I believe, which is like, I'm, I'm embarrassed to say that I don't know this, I should know this, but I believe they, they get like secondhand furniture for people mm-hmm. who need it. Uh, and then he also delivers for Meals on Wheels. Um, and my mom was a special education teacher for her entire career, and then she got her master's and started working for, in, in Iowa, it's Education in Iowa is phenomenal, but they have these things called area education associations and each education association services uh, a couple of different school districts and they're just a resource so that the teachers can get training and materials and guidance in how to better suit uh, better meet the needs of their students and my mom became one of those um, and now that she's retired, she is the, I believe, the director of a program called RISE. Um, and I should know what RISE stands for because I'm on the spot. I'm not thinking of it. But uh, they work with uh, people who've gotten out of jail to help them um, re-enter the community. So they help mm-hmm. them with, like, filling out resumes and getting transportation passes and finding a place to live that isn't. Like back in the the where they were before when they were getting in trouble.
0: Sure, sure.
1: It's this just incredible organization. She's just doing amazing, amazing work with it.
0: So basically, uh, basically, your mom and your stepdad are um, just a couple of lazy bums that don't really do anything.
1: Exactly. Yeah. Yeah. They're, they're just leeching off of society. I mean, just, <laughs> yeah. Exactly.
0: I mean, model citizens. <laughs>
1: Yeah, fairly, pretty much, yeah. What a, what a my,
0: what a great example for you and and even your in your children.
1: Yeah, absolutely. That's amazing. Very, very true. Yeah, and my dad is a lawyer. He's been a lawyer his entire career. Hmm. Uh, he does real estate law mostly. He used to do like wills and I believe some divorces, but he absolutely hated that work, and so now he does entirely or almost entirely real estate law and he enjoys that okay great he's the one that like instilled in me the passion for reading that i have
0: right okay well that's great i i love that and now i'm glad i got a little bit more background of where you came from and you know obviously you had a a pretty pretty good upbringing do you have siblings do you have brothers and sisters
1: i have two sisters
0: and are they older younger where are you in the pecking order
1: I am the youngest. I have two older sisters, one who lives in St. Louis, and she is about two years older than me, and then one who lives here in the Kansas City area, and she's about three and a half to four years older than me.
0: You know, I have two older sisters. I'm the youngest of three.
1: Yeah, I, I think that we have connected on that before. It's kind of...
0: It sounds familiar.
1: Yeah, exactly. It
0: does sound yeah. familiar. Um, well, you mentioned your wife before. Your wife is uh, BB. Yes. And I've met her, and she is positively lovely. Um, and I'm, you, I'm you, fine. sir, yeah, you, sir, have outpunted your coverage. Um, uh,
1: I don't know what that means, but yeah.
0: <laughs> you, you married up.
1: Yes, I would agree with that. Yeah,
0: yeah, uh, and I, the only reason I know that is because I have also done the same thing.
1: <laughs> yeah, yes. Jill is incredible. I, yes. I have enjoyed meeting her and your entire family as well.
0: Yeah, and uh, how long have you, you and baby, been married?
1: We got married in 2006, so it'll be 14 years this uh, this June.
0: So you're like, you got a stride going right now.
1: Yes. Yeah.
0: Yeah. And then you have uh, a whole house full of kids.
1: There's like 13 or 14 by now, I think.
0: <laughs> I bet on some days it feels like that, doesn't it? Yeah, we have, we have
1: four. <laughs> we have a 12-year-old, a 10-year-old, they're both girls, and then mm-hmm. we have twin six-year-old boys.
0: Which, again, I have met your family and... Just a lovely, a lovely family you have. And uh, I don't have to tell you how proud you should feel um, of well, having such a lovely family.
1: I appreciate that. And I am pretty freaking grateful. They're, they're incredible.
0: Um, well, I mentioned weddings. And obviously, uh, with my work, I do a lot of, uh, uh, do a ton of weddings. I know you've, do- you've done some officiating work in weddings. Uh, yeah. Tell me, tell me about a memory from your and Bibi's wedding that still sticks with you uh, 14 years later.
1: We we had this beautiful beautiful venue. It was a working orchard outside of Northwest Kansas City. It's called the Western Red Barn. It's this beautiful beautiful barn that is open onto an apple orchard. These rolling hills of 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 you know middle Missouri, um, and we got married in June. And we it, it was really really hot for like that entire week, but then it rained and the rain totally cooled things down, which was wonderful, but we were supposed to get married out in the actual orchard. Mm -hmm. And we had a CD player set to play Pachelbel's Canon in D, um, which is, you know, Bibi and I both love that, that song. And the CD player got stuck out in the rain and it didn't work. So, we decided that we were going to just kind of wing it. And a friend of mine from college was going to play his guitar and sing a song with my sister-in-law during a later part of the uh, wedding. And we just said, hey, can you just play something? And instead of having a recorded version of Pachelbel's Canon in D, I had a good friend of mine from college play acoustic guitar, Bell's Canon in D before the wedding started.
0: Dude, that is amazing.
1: It was absolutely beautiful. It was gorgeous.
0: Side note uh, for any kids listening, ask your parents what a CD player is. (laughs) Well, thank you for sharing that memory. That's something I never knew. And um, I love that. I just, I love that story. I'm going to remember that for a long time. You mentioned that you're into reading. I know you read a ton of books. I don't know how you read so many books with you know your life being as hectic and crazy as it is. What are what are like? Wh- give me one book that you've read over the course of your life that really had a, a, a major impact on you.
1: There is a book called Blue Highways um, by William Least Heatmoon, um, and I read this when I was in college uh, at Truman State University in Northeast Missouri um back in the 70s the author william Lee heat Moon, he was a professor at university of missouri in columbia missouri and he in one like month uh he and his wife split up he lost his job and he completely was just lost and so he said to himself that uh I, I don't. I don't even want to. But he. Okay, I'm stumbling over my words because I really want to represent this book as good as I as well as I can. Sure. Um, he basically had this realization that he was not seeing new things because he was seeing everything around him which he'd always seen. So if he were to change what he was seeing, maybe that would change the way that he sees things. And oh. so he, he went and found an old atlas that he had, and he made a planned a route around the United States on the off-roads. And in the on the old maps, the off-roads were blue. And so he called this his Blue Highways trip. And he literally went from middle of Missouri all the way to the East Coast, down the coast, across the southern border to California, up Uh, to the Northern border back all the way through New York. I mean, he did like the entire outskirts of the country. Um, And then he wrote this book about his experience and it was the seventies. So it was like, you know, 10 years after the civil rights movement had really ramped up. It was less than 10 years after Martin Luther King had been assassinated. Um, And so when he went deep into the South, he was meeting people and he's, uh, Native American. Uh, he's a, a white-passing Native American man, mm-hmm. and so he he has dark enough skin that when he was around white people in like Atlanta, Georgia, um, they recognized that he did not fit in. And when he was around people of color, they recognized that he didn't fit in either. And so he got into these really incredible, um, like time like time capsule conversations all around the United States. Like we're talking like Montana and rural New York state and Ohio, like all these really interesting places. Hmm. And so the book just has this really incredible, um, I've, I've read it probably 10 times. I try to read it once every year or two. Mm-hmm. Um, and I'm a big believer in two things about books. One, if you want to write in them, write in them because when you go back and, and visit them again, you will have a conversation with you at a different time period. Oh, that's and so amazing. I, I love it. I mean, I go back and I, I reread these books that I've underlined so many different things in. and I'm like, okay, I don't know why that stands out to me, why it stood out to me then, but I this other passage over here that I didn't underline, speaks to me now, Yeah, but I'm also, I'm also a big believer that we don't loan books. We give them away. And then if they happen to come back to you, then good. Otherwise they're visiting somebody else. Um, And so I have had multiple copies of that book because of that. Uh, But I did have like the original version come back to me uh, like two or three years ago. And that was pretty awesome.
0: So that proves your point that, you know, if, if it's meant to come back to you, it will, you know?
1: Yeah. And I should probably share this part. I was so inspired by this book that the summer before I met my wife, I was teaching at the time, so I had the ability to do this, but I uh, drove from Kirksville, Missouri, up to Detroit, Michigan, into Canada, over to Niagara Falls, down the coast to Florida, and back through Atlanta, up to Missouri, camping out the entire way by myself. Wow. It was one of the most, like impactful experiences i've had um it was and the thing that he did like he went out and talked to people and so i I'm, I'm an outgoing guy but when you're entirely surrounded with people you don't know in a completely foreign place uh that is that is difficult to do and so i didn't do it as much as i wanted to but i did get a chance to talk to some people and it was it was really profound it was during the. Um, two thousand four two thousand and five election um, well, it was the summer before the john Kerry George w Bush election sure, sure, yeah, um, and so, like when I was in Philadelphia, yeah. hanging out in downtown Philadelphia, uh, sitting on a bench having a coffee, I was able to see a couple of people who were trying to drum up you know people registering to vote, having these conversations, and I found myself having having a conversation with a woman who'd been kicked out of her home because she was lesbian and she was trying to, you know, get people to vote. And then there was another guy who was, you know, wearing an NRA hat and he came over and, and talked. And like the three of us had this really great conversation and I made mean, it, it was just, it was a fascinating trip and a fascinating time. So. I'm glad you got Overton. to
0: experience that because like, not a lot of people get to do that kind of thing in their life. And that's that's a really unique and special thing that you got to do. That's very cool. Yeah,
1: yeah. It, it was yeah. it was incredible. Well, that's
0: awesome. Well, that's – in terms of like the <clears> – <throat> excuse me, the, the deeper getting to know you stuff, I think we got that covered. But I wanted to get into just some random – I don't want to say rapid fire things, but just some random things that are really going to take you off guard. Are you ready for this? I'm ready. Okay. So – If you had, because obviously time is uh, one of our most valuable resources. If you had more time and more resources at your fingertips, what's a hobby that you would want to get into if you had more time and resources? Knitting. Knitting. Yep. Yeah. That's a, that's, where does that come from? Do you think?
1: Um, my wife, when we first got married was really into like knitting and crocheting. And she made like the gloves that I currently use. And she made a hat that I currently wear. Um, and I'm, I'm not a huge Dr. Who fan, but I'm, I'm a, like a moderate fan. Like, I think it's really cool. And I would, I would love to make a fourth doctor scarf. Um, and I actually asked for my birthday, like, I don't know, six or seven years ago. Um, the materials to make the doc, that that scarf uh and i started like practicing it but like i read and i don't like listening to audiobooks i like reading and right. so you can't like you could i could knit if i was listening to audiobooks sure. but i can't knit when i'm reading so it just kind of never took off
0: okay well i think you'd be fine at it i i would i would fail terribly at that i think <laughs> um all right so that's something you 'd be good at, um, I always think about like um, my my periods of unemployment that i've had in my life and the jobs that I was offered. I was offered a lot of sales jobs, but I think i'd be a terrible salesperson because I mean I may have like the personality uh, of a good like a good salesperson, but what I lack is that ability to handle rejection and not take it personally, so that's oh, yeah. That's yes. a job that I would be very bad at what's what's a job that you think uh, you would be really just terrible
1: at um, uh, the same thing um, when I was looking to transition out of teaching, I you know did that whole lovely and not at all frustrating what do I want to be when I grow up conversation <laughs> and, uh, yeah. like the one thing that i I think that i I think that I could possibly be good at sales, but I could not possibly be comfortable with the inherent risk that comes with being dependent on making sales to be able to support the family.
0: That's, that's a totally viable thing. Uh, that's something I experience. Uh, I like to know exactly how much my next check is going to be. Yeah. Um, yeah. And if, whether or not food is on my table uh, based on what I do is uh, not something I'm interested in.
1: Yeah. I, find, I find that most of the time children do better when they have food. Yes.
0: <laughs> and you know what? So do grown men.
1: You, you know what? You're not. You're
0: not. <laughs> okay. Next one. Um, you're going to an event of some sort and it starts at six o'clock. Are you there at 5.55, six o'clock or 6.05? Are you like an early guy, an on-time guy or a always late guy?
1: If my options are 555, 6 or 605, the answer is none of the above. I would have to be there at 545 at the latest.
0: Okay, all right. So, all right, that 555 was just like to illustrate the earliness, but yeah, I'm with you on that. <laughs> um, I'm the want to get there early guy. Just like Absolutely. that. Yeah, nothing yeah. wrong with that. Okay, so how about when, when somebody comes to you for help, uh, what are they usually seeking help with?
1: Um, so I post a lot about, political and social justice things on Facebook. And so what people come to me about is questions about, um, how to respond to things like those issues that Mm -hmm. come up in real life. Um, and so, yeah, it's, you know, resources around, um, coping or not not coping but like addressing issues of racism sexism homophobia transphobia xenophobia all those things mm-hmm. yeah
0: that's good and and you feel like you're you're equipped to be able to at least point people in the right direction in those things
1: Point people in the right direction yes yeah be able to like solve those issues a hundred percent no <laughs> yeah
0: no no i and i i and that's well that's why i said that because like i have people yeah. that come to me about a lot of things um be it uh people who have children who are younger than mine, they look for advice that doesn't happen all that often. Future clients of mine, like bride and groom clients, they, they come to me seeking advice for what, what would you do about invitations? Well, I'm like, well, I don't know much about invitations, but I can tell you what I know about wedding etiquette. Uh, and yeah. here, and yeah. here's a resource that you can look at, you know, so yeah. I, I feel you on that. I'm definitely with you on that. So that's a topic that you know a lot about. Uh, I'm interested in about topics that you wish you knew more about. Like for me, I wish I knew more about, this is going to sound weird. Or maybe it doesn't sound weird. I don't know. But I wish I knew more about auto repair
1: uh-huh. uh, and
0: yeah. di- diagnosing problems with vehicles, just being able to open up a hood uh, based on the noise that I hear, being able to diagnose what that issue is and maybe even take it a step further and be able to purchase that part and install <laughs> it myself. Yeah. Um, yeah. You know, I find myself over the years putting a lot of faith in mechanics. Luckily, and, you know, I've been lucky that I haven't, at least I don't believe I've been duped by any mechanics, but it's just something I wish I knew more about. What's something, what's a topic in life that you, you wish you knew more about that you could apply to your life?
1: So when you first asked the question, what was um, sports? Because I think that uh, my being able to operate in like, traditionally masculine spaces would be a lot easier if i knew even one little thing about (laughs) um i I remember when i was growing up my uncle steve used to he told me here's the trick you always say how johnson do because on every single team there's a johnson right and i don't think he's wrong i think that 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 is but um slightly more serious but not not all that more serious i would love to be able to know more about home repair i would like to feel a little bit more comfortable using um you know the the tools not like i don't i don't need to like completely rebuild my kitchen yeah but you're not if gonna I, put
0: in new cabinets or anything like that yeah.
1: exactly but if i yeah. if i do a little bit more about general home maintenance that'd be pretty cool
0: and that'd probably save you a couple of bucks too Yeah. A little bit. Yeah. Yeah. I'm with you on that. I could, I could get down with that. Um, okay. Uh, are you a game show guy? Do you like game shows?
1: Um, kind of, I, I don't watch a whole lot of TV.
0: Okay. Well, not even necessarily right now, but think about game shows that you know of what's a, what's a game show that you would go on and you would absolutely kill it.
1: Okay. I've actually tried out for jeopardy, like by, I mean, I took the quiz online. I didn't like go in or anything, but um, I think that I would probably lose badly on Jeopardy, but it would be fun. Um, I kind of like that show, The Wall with Chris Hardwick. That was pretty cool. Oh
0: yeah, that was a good one. Uh, Okay. So what is something, and I've talked about this and and like I mentioned uh, in our prep uh, conversation that. I'm willing to answer most of these questions, too, because I want, you know, you to know that it's not just one sided. Um, Sure. What do you think there's what what's a thing out there in the in pop culture or the universe anywhere that people seem to be obsessed with that for you? You just don't get it. Like, I just don't understand why people are into this thing. For me, (laughs) it's the Rocky Horror Picture Show. Really? Uh, Oh, I, I I've seen it and I just don't get it like it, like I'm a big Monty Python guy. Uh I like all I like Back to the Future more than probably uh, any human should. Um but when it comes to Rocky Horror Picture Show, I just I I don't get it. Like I I think it's dumb. Uh I don't think you're dumb for liking it. You like whatever you yeah. want. Yeah. I personally don't enjoy it. What's that thing for you?
1: I don't get the interest in like royalty. Like yes. I I I don't get that at all. Like, I don't, I, I like that my wife likes Downton Abbey, but it just, I, I, it did not engage me. I don't understand uh, like staying up to watch the the marriage of um, whichever one married first. And then, (laughs) I mean, like, I'm happy for them. Like it's a beautiful thing. Love is good. Love is like the best thing ever. So like, that's wonderful. But like, I don't know these people. They don't know me. And I could not care less that what kind of dress she wore or what, like, I just don't get it, man. I mean, but again, like you said, good for you if you enjoy that.
0: Yeah, that's like, fine. If you want to get into it, that's cool. But like, I, 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 you know, I feel you on that too. And I know I say that a lot, but I I get that because like, I think about these, like more recently, the Harry and Meghan stuff. Mm -hmm. Uh, how they're like, there's all this drama about them leaving the Royal family and, and I'm thinking like, yeah, but there's, there's veterans who are homeless, you know, (laughs) like, how about we talk about that? How about we talk about the causes that Harry and, uh, William's mother talked about, like eliminating landmines and, and things like that. Super important things. Let's talk about the, the family drama of some insanely rich people. Yeah, exactly. I I just don't get it. I'm with you on that. What about pet peeves? You, you, you certainly have a pet peeve. I, I, I'm positive. You. Everybody's got pet peeves. I'll tell you what mine is. You mentioned Jeopardy earlier. I have a series of pet peeves, but one of mine is when people win by a dollar on Jeopardy. Uh, yes. Because if you win by a dollar, you can certainly win by a whole lot more than a dollar. But <laughs> you just want to be that guy that wins by a dollar. You know, yeah and like, there's, there's just no reason for that
1: i, I get that like while the, the point of the game is to show the knowledge that you have like that is the point of the game but then there is this aspect of gamemanship like where you're trying to work the game in order to win just just don't do that like right yeah yeah no, i feel you yep
0: so uh what about you pet peeve what what's our Actually, in my notes here, I wrote it down as, what is your most irrational pet peeve? Because me not, me not liking people win by a dollar on jeopardy is completely irrational. There's no reason for me not to like that. Like, I There's no reason for me to even care. So it's completely irrational. Do you have any rational pet
1: peeve? So I think my rational pet peeve is anybody who's driving slower than me that are, is in front of me, and anybody that's driving faster than me that is behind me. <laughs> <laughs> <laughs>
0: Because that is both irrational and rational. Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) Oh, that's so good. Yeah. Maybe that'll be my new one too. I'll (laughs) I'll put I'll put that on the list with the others. Uh, Have you ever um, before you lived with BB? uh, Did you ever live alone? Like, have you ever lived uh, by yourself at all?
1: Yeah. Yeah. I so uh, in college I had a roommate. My freshman year and then I had a roommate for part of my sophomore year and then he moved out so then I had my own dorm room and then junior year I lived in my own room for half of the year and then I moved into an apartment and I lived with roommates for all of college and then when I graduated college and started teaching I lived in an apartment for one year and then I bought a small house on a lake outside of town. Uh, and when I say a small house, I mean, it was like two rooms. The deck was literally bigger than the house itself. Oh, jeez! Um, yeah. It was incredible. I loved it and hated it. It was awesome and awful. Um, yeah. but then BB and I got engaged when uh, I was living in that little lake house. So yeah, I definitely lived on my own for at least a couple of years.
0: How, uh, how did you get along? Cause I've never lived alone. Like I've always lived not only just with people, but, and I think I've told you this before. I've always lived with women. Mm-hmm. Um, my dad is the only person I've, the only male I've ever lived with. Everything yeah. else has been women from, from birth until today. Um, so what, was it a challenge for you to live alone or do you, did you prefer living with people? Even if, even if you had crappy roommates, did you enjoy just having people around you versus being alone? <laughs>
1: That's, that's kind of tough. Like, I, I do enjoy being around people, but I also, um, like, I, I do like alone time. But, I mean, when I was living in the apartment that was in town and in mean, Carstowell, such a small town, that, like, you can walk anywhere. And, I mean, not really, but I I was able to, like, see people whenever I wanted to. And it was like a two-minute drive to the coffee shop or, you know, whatever. and yeah. Um, when I was living out at the lake, I mean, that was a 15 minute drive, even to get into town. And I mean, now it takes 20 minutes to get anywhere, but at the time, living in small town, a 15 minute drive is like, you got to plan ahead if you want to do that. Sure. Sure.
0: So you had like a, a nice balance. You were able to strike a good balance and yeah. versus yeah. Uh, being with people and having a good balance of alone time. Like you were able to yeah. balance that. Yeah. That's really cool. Um, I like that. All right. Um, a couple more. Everybody has, well, maybe not everybody, but I'd say a fair amount of people that at least that I know have what I would call a lame claim to fame. <laughs> okay. And I've, I don't know if I've told you this story and I've told several people this story, but it, it was the time where, um, it was 1996 and the Olympics were in in uh, Atlanta and I had an opportunity to work at the Olympics. And, and my, uh, I worked in the main dining tent in the Olympic Village. And my job for 10 hours, uh, for, I only worked at the Olympics for about seven or eight days. Um, my job during that time was to take big pallets full of bottled water from the storage facility, which was the Georgia Tech parking garage, and bring it into the main dining tent and stock the refrigerators in the main dining tent. Um, while I was there, I was on a lunch break, and they allowed us to eat the food in there. Um, and one time I was kind of bringing my tray off. It was like a cafeteria style and I was taking my tray off, um, the, the little rack thing or slider thing that you put your tray on when you load up your tray on a cafeteria. And there was another one on the other side. And as I was bringing my tray off, I bumped into a guy who was bringing his tray off on the other one. And I looked up and it's this monster guy. Uh, and I was like, Oh, sir, I'm really sorry. And he kind of gave me a, it's okay. Yeah, and then <laughs> walked off. I'm like, this is a beast. And I'm thinking, you know, that guy kind of looked like Dolph Lundgren a little bit. <laughs> <laughs> he was really mad, but he looked like Dolph Lundgren. And I didn't think anything of it. And so I'm back to my, I'm back to my duties for the day. And um, I'm talking to this other gal who I worked with. I said, hey, did you, did you see that guy walking around the tent um, who looked like Dolph Lundgren? She's like, "Oh yeah, that, that's actually Dolph Lundgren. He signed my hat." And she flipped the bill of her hat up and he she she had his autograph under her hat. Oh my god. Like, oh my god. That guy Dolph Lundgren almost beat me up. <laughs> for knocking over his tray. Um now I'm that's probably a little more dramatic than it actually was, but that's my lame claim to fame. Do you do you have a story like that, like a lame claim to fame?
1: I mean, not quite as good a story <laughs> as that, but um
0: <laughs> You mean not quite as lame a story as that.
1: Uh, well, <laughs> I, I don't know about that um so uh i don't know which one to, so i went to middle school with ashton kutcher but like I, oh that's I, I, right
0: i remember you telling me that before
1: yeah yeah i mean i had pictures in my mom's basement middle school cast parties because we were in plays together but so um i was um like when my wife was pregnant with our oldest and we were living in Kirksville. Um, we were taking our dog Leo for a walk around the, the neighborhood. And we live just a couple blocks off the, the college campus. And um, we were walking around this parking lot and I looked over and there's this guy just kind of a little bit of a belly beard, kind of wild hair. And I go, I think that, yeah, I think that. And she's like, what? And I go, Hey, are you Zach Galifianakis? (laughs) And he turns and he looks at me and he goes, hey, yeah. (laughs) That's fantastic. (laughs) And I I go, can I come over and say hi? He goes, yeah, sure, come on over. So (laughs) we walked over with my dog, Leo, and um, we chatted for like, I don't know, 30 or 45 seconds, maybe a minute. And he's like, so is there a good (laughs) place? have a drink and maybe a little bit to eat. And I gave him a suggestion for the restaurant to go to. And he's like, all right, thanks, man. And we parted ways and we got back to the to our house. And I'm like, BB, I, I want to go like buy him a drink. She's like, all right, go. So I left and I went to the bar and I was like, hey, is he here? And they're like, yeah, he's back in the back. We gave him like a little place to sit by himself. And I'm like, all right, cool. And I waited and I waited. And I had work in the morning, and it was like 11.30, and I was a teacher, so you yeah. can't show up. Yeah. So uh, to make this incredible story even better, I, I left and went home.
0: <laughs> <laughs> and there's the lame part right there.
1: Yes. Yeah. Yes. Lame. <laughs> lame thing.
0: And we never know if he ever showed up there.
1: No, he did. He was there. He, oh, that's uh, right.
0: Yeah, he was there. Okay. Yeah.
1: Yep. I just didn't get to buy him the drink, because oh. I think everybody in the or wanted to buy him a drink. Of course. Yeah. Oh
0: man, but what what could have been? Yes. What could have been you and yeah, Zach? Could, could, you and Zach Galifianakis could have been great friends.
1: I could have been Bradley Cooper in Hangover.
0: <laughs> and then you would have been Bradley Cooper in uh, Star Is Born.
1: Exactly. Yeah.
0: <laughs> and then Bradley Cooper in Hangover Two and Hangover Three.
1: Yeah. And I mean, let's just be honest. If we if we're being totally honest. The only thing that separates me from Bradley Cooper is the fact that I didn't get to buy Zach and a drink. And if, that, if, that, I mean, if, there,
0: if there's one thing we can take away from this story, it's that.
1: Exactly. Yeah.
0: Yep. Well, that's, that's fantastic. I'm glad. I, I'm, I'm learning so much and uh, <laughs> I'm, I'm grateful for your time to be able to do it. Um, do you, so, something I'm going to do in this podcast when I talk to people is um, allow my guests. And and I did this with Sydney, my daughter, um, in her episode. She didn't have anything for me, but I want uh, to give you a minute to ask if you have a question for me, if there's something you want to know about me or about my story, about my history or whatever, um, I'd like to open that up to you. Do you you have any questions for me at all?
1: Well, as a throwback to our previous conversation um and to let your listeners know so the podcast that you mentioned that you were on my podcast we always start by asking what gives our guests lives meaning what what is their bliss what makes them feel alive um and you've already answered that question but it was it's been a minute Mm -hmm. so i am curious if you can tell me now what gives your life meaning what is uh See, Dan is the only asked this question, so I'm, I'm going to fumble. Morning. Sure. Uh, what is your bliss? What gives you meaning? What makes you feel alive? Do you happen
0: to remember what I said on your podcast? Because I don't remember.
1: <laughs> I I do not remember either.
0: <laughs> well, we okay, that's fine. No, that's I was going to say that's fine. I because if I if I give two different answers, that means I have two things that give me bliss.
1: It means that you've grown, that you have changed. I mean, like,
0: sure. And as we should all, we should all grow and change, right? Absolutely. Yeah. yeah.
1: Well, and if you if it's the same answer, it just means that it's that powerful.
0: Absolutely. So there's no <laughs> there's no right or wrong here. Yeah. Um, well, I don't know what I said on your uh, podcast because I listened to it um, once uh, just after it aired. <laughs> um, I don't like the sound. I don't like the re- sound of my recorded voice, even though I have a background in radio. You think I'd be used to it, but I've always been my my biggest critic when it comes to how my voice sounds. But that's neither here nor there. Um, in terms of what gives me bliss and what kind of makes me tick, I mean, without question, I don't even have to think about it. It's it's my wife and my children. Um, Jill and Turner and Sydney mean so much to me, um, more than life itself. Like I know it's it, it sounds a little on the corny side, but it's true. Like I I would sacrifice whatever I need to sacrifice uh, for their comfort, for their happiness. Um, we we all have such a deep love for each other. Uh, and, and it comes from, I I don't know where it comes from, honestly, but we would all do anything for any, either of us. Um, and it's especially when I see Turner, my oldest, she's almost She's going to be 13 soon when she takes care of her little sister, even when she doesn't want to, um, she goes, what she feels like is out of her way to help her little sister, whatever, with whatever she needs. But, Deep down, I know she wants to. Um, I would do. I would move whatever mountain I needed to move, or slay whatever dragon I needed to slay, uh, to make Jill happy and to to you know keep her comfortable and 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 happy and um, and even if it's just uh, and and I'm sure you're obviously you're going to be like this with Bibi and and all of our friends are with their wives, um, just and even if it just means just sitting and listening and letting them vent uh, and letting them express what they need to express without interruption. Like sometimes people, and I'm not saying just wives, but sometimes people just need to, they don't need any information back from, from me. They just need a sounding board. They just need somebody to listen to them. Um, And Jill and I do that for each other. Uh, And we have for, we've met 20 years ago this year. Uh, And it's just been nonstop with that. So my wife, my children, they're the ones that give me bliss and, Hopefully, I'm doing everything that I can do or that I need to do to return that to them. Uh, I don't think I'll ever be able to repay it, um, but I'll, I'll spend my life trying. Um, and even if I don't succeed, I'll, at least I'll know I've tried, you know.
1: That's fantastic. Yeah. I love, it. I love it.
0: Tommy, um, you're a good man. You're a good egg. And uh, I'm proud to call you my friend. And uh, thanks for catching up, man. I appreciate it.
1: Well, likewise, you're a good man as well. I appreciate the opportunity and it's been fun, man. Thank you.
0: Thank you for being on my podcast. Absolutely. Yay. (laughs) That's the end. All right. Cue the music. Catching up with Aaron is produced and edited by me, Aaron Elliott, in association with Anchor. Subscribe to Catching Up with Aaron on Spotify or Pocket Casts, and soon on Apple Podcasts. Thanks for listening, and I'll catch up with you again soon.